Good morning, saints of our Lord, and welcome to Thy Strong Word. I'm your host, Brady Finner, and pastor of Messiah Lutheran Church in Sartell, Minnesota. Thank you for tuning us in this morning on Worldwide KFUO, Christ for you anytime, anywhere. A blessed Easter to all of you this Wednesday, May the 11th, as the light of Christ shines on us from 1 John chapter 3. There are so many gems as we continue to go through this text. As we looked at 1 John chapter 3 at the very beginning, I found that first verse, as Pastor Lekomsky highlighted, to be the foundation of almost the whole book. See what kind of love the Father has given to us, that we should be called children of God. And in case you're wondering, and so we are. Those words are what sticks out as we look at today. For wherever, whenever our hearts condemn us, John says, God is greater than our heart. How great is that? Because think about your heart. It goes up and down and everywhere because he knows everything. We have the confidence of knowing if our heart fails us, which it might, which it will, God will not. This God is above our feelings and we will be able to see the love of God and also our calling as a child of God this morning. So open up your Bibles, put on your Christ goggles for the gifts are ready ready for you. Thank you to our friends at Lutheran Heritage Foundation for your support of Thy Strong Word. Visit lhfmissions.org for more information, lhfmissions.org. Helping us to be strengthened by God's Word this morning, we welcome for the first time Pastor Douglas Gribbena, Mission Advocate for KFUO Radio, right here, yes, on KFU Radio. Pastor Gribbena, thank you for being our guest. Well, Pastor Fennin, it is my absolute joy, and I hope this is not my my last time, as this is my first time with you on Thy Strong Word. One of one of my personal favorites. Uh, that yeah, absolutely. Oh, well, thank you very much. It's a joy and honor to to have you and to have you do what you do. But first, since this is our first time together, people probably have heard you in other venues on KFUO. But tell us about yourself, your family, and your work as a mission advocate for KFUO. All right. Well, well, brothers and sisters, I am Reverend Doug Gribbenaw, and I, I hail from Denver, Colorado. That's that's hometown for me. I was the uh, fourth generation Denver native, grew up in the house that my grandma grew up in. And uh, my wife and I both came from, from Colorado. Uh, she's from a little town of Johnstown, uh, farther up north. And, and we met at the mall, actually. I, I, uh, so I went shopping for a wife, and, and, and it worked out. <laughs> <laughs> we have two gorgeous little boys, uh, and, and I do mean gorgeous. They are going to be the death of me when they get older because they're, they're going to be lady killers, I think. Uh, much more smooth than their father. Uh, but um, one, Leo, he just turned six years old, and his little brother, Sam, who is uh, two and a half on his way to three. And uh, so we, uh, we recently came to KFUO Radio. I, I'm, I'm a rather new addition. I was called here last year in November. So November 15th was my first uh, time waltzing into the International Center without a guest badge uh, mm -hmm. and getting to meet all the people here and touching so many of the different ministries uh, that uh, that are supported and, and, and some initiated from here at the International Center. And it is really, it's, it is sort of overwhelming, but also uh, very enheartening. Uh, to see so many faithful people engaged in in the ministry of the church, the proclamation of God's word and the salvation that we have in Christ Jesus. Now, before this, I, I had been in a little town called El Centro, California. 
And, and I used to joke that it was El Centro de Nada because it felt like it was in the middle of nowhere, 15 miles <laughs> north of the Mexican border, two hours east of San Diego or one hour west of Yuma. Uh, the, the nearest over-the-air broadcast stations were from south of the border. So I, I got to watch some telenovelas uh, on my television. Uh, nice. Which didn't help that I don't speak Spanish at all, <laughs> but, <laughs> but it was a really lovely little congregation, wonderful saints down there. So to any of you brothers and sisters uh, that are tuning in from El Centro, California, Grace Lutheran Church, uh, it, it's so good to be with you again. Uh, so part of my work here at KFUO Radio is, uh, as the title implies, mission advocate, to advocate for the mission of KFUO, which really is is exactly the same mission that is given to each and every one of us to proclaim Christ in, in, in the walk of our life, in the words of our lips, in the meditations of our heart, as we are formed, reformed, renewed each day with his word, as we gather together at his altar to receive his sacraments, and then go forth to proclaim the, the glorious mysteries of he who has called us out of darkness into his wondrous light. And to be his, uh, the children of God, brothers and sisters together in him. And that actually, I think, fits very nicely with what St. John is telling us here in, in this first mm. of his epistles. It, it's a theme that continuously, continuously runs through is that proclamation of God's love for sinners like you and I. And that's obviously what we do here on KFUO on every program. And it is, and it is, it's funny as you say that, because as you say, walking into the International Center is that, you know, I'm here in Minnesota, uh, Pastor Apple is down in uh, Texas. And so I talk to him all the time and, and I work with Andy all the time and everybody else, Sarah and, and the whole crew and Jenny and with you. And um, we've never met in person. That's true. We have, but you know, the so wonderful nervous. thing of, of radio, of technology, of podcasts, of internet streaming is, is that we who are so vastly distant in, in physical time and space are able to have fellowship and, and communion with one another, uh, along with our listeners around the globe. Um, and, and that's, it is actually mind blowing. If, if you take a moment to consider the unity that God's word is fostering here. And one of the, and this bring, I'll bring this back to First John in this way, is it is a letter that was written maybe to one church, maybe multiple churches by John. Um, we don't understand the fullness of it, but we do understand that there was that, when you think of Paul and you think of John and others who wrote these epistles and the Gospels, obviously, is that there was that fellowship, even though they were not in the same place. They were they, they had maybe met each other and all that, but the proclamation of the Gospel, think about that, how it extends from these little old letters inspired by the Holy Spirit spread throughout the world, and especially as we'll see in 1 John, especially in our text, of the love of God in Christ Jesus for sinners like you and I. So that is, I mean, I just I think about how this all connects. We think about, oh, this is kind of a new thing. Well, it is, but it isn't, because the Holy Spirit works through his word, where is proclaimed faithfully. So, so Pastor, I think it's time. I think I'm writing in the word. Are you ready? Let's do it. All right. So uh, as we look at getting into the word today, can you begin our time in prayer? I would love to. Brothers and sisters, please pray with me. Gracious Lord, Heavenly Father, you sent forth your Son as you tell us to destroy the works of the devil, to put us then free from our captivity to sin, to death, to the power of our fallen flesh. 
by your word and in the power of your spirit, enliven our study of your word this day, that it may remind us of the wonderful salvation and the unity and the abiding nature that that is the Christian faith, that we may be one in him and he in us, and that we may always be bold to proclaim the salvation that we have by the blood, the work, in the word of God concerning your Son, Christ Jesus, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Amen. If you have any questions concerning our text this morning, send us an email, kfuo at kfuo.org, kfuo at kfuo.org. What we'll begin is by hearing the word of God. Our verses today are from 1 John chapter 3, verses 11 through 24. We'll be reading from the English Standard Version. And today, the, the, the theme for our listeners and for all of us, as you look at this, you really look through all of John, it talks a lot about love. And it's so important. I think that I think that why this text, why this book is so important for us, because our concept of love is not, you know, we don't live in the Hallmark Channel. You know, we live in the real world. And so the love he's speaking about is important to remember in relation to God and his love for us. So let us hear the word of God, verse 11. For this is a message that you have heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. We should not be like Cain, who was one of the who was one of the evil one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his own deeds were evil and his brother's righteous. Do not be surprised, brothers, that the world hates you. We know that we have passed out of death into life because we love the brothers. Whoever does not love abides in death. Whoever who everyone who hates his brother is a murderer, and you know that no murderer shall have etern- has eternal life abiding in him. By this we know love, that he lay down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. But if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Little children, let us not love the world word, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. By this we shall know that we are of the truth and reassure our heart before him. For where at whenever our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart, and he knows everything. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence before God. And whatever we ask, we receive from him because we keep his commandments and do what pleases him. And this is his commandment, that we believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another just as he has commanded us. Whoever keeps his commandments abides in God, and God in him. And by this we know that he abides in us, by the spirit whom he has given us. This is the word of our Lord this morning. Thanks Pastor, be God. thanks be to God. Absolutely. And Pastor, as we hear these words, oh, there's a lot there. I, I'm thinking like if you and I were back in seminary and we say, okay, let's get done with all these in, in an hour, get out your Greek tech, textbook and let's go. We would all laugh and say, you're kidding me? You might get through the first verse. So Pastor, how do you want to start us off? Well, you know, I, 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 uh, I'm a fan of the sound of music, so let's start at the very beginning, right? It's a very good place to start. <laughs> in, in actual truth, I, I do want to back up just a little bit, because uh, I think verse 10 really gives us a, a good foundation. Really, 10 through 12 kind of give us this complete thought uh, as we come in. And, and mm-hmm. uh, you know, so verse 10, uh, which I know you covered last, last time, but it, you know, 
John tells us, by this, it is evident who are the children of God and who are the children of the devil. And that's really sort of then he's going to give us this archetype here with Cain and Abel next, right? Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is the one who does not love his brother. And that, and that really then is this transition from this, um, this idea of righteousness, of the ontological nature of what it means to be a Christian, uh, to live and abide in, in his entole and his commandments. But then we get this move to sort of a, a real-life application of love and what this true love means. And that's, that's where he's going to sort of take us next. Uh, and, and so he's, he's giving us a, an, an ancient example, uh, you know, the, the very first sort of example of this disfellowship, this disunity. Um, and, and he prefaces then this, you know, for this is the message that you've heard from the beginning. Uh, and, and so you know, he's really, he's talking about the, of course, the, the pastoral preaching, you know, the apostolic message, the beginning of what you have been hearing uh, from, from the apostles. But more than this, the, really the, the fundamental nature of what you have heard uh, since the beginning of, of beginnings, that we should love one another. And of course, the example he gives us then is, uh, is Cain, uh, Cain and Abel. Um, and Cain has this sort of very dubious distinction. And in fact, this is, this is one of the only times that Cain, this is, this is in fact the only time uh, that John in his epistles so clearly directly references the Old Testament. He digs back then to Cain and, and with really very strong condemnation, he gives an apropos description. Cain, who was of the evil one, unregenerate. Uh, unredeemed. He was, he is one who dwells in darkness. Uh, and of course, dwelling in darkness, then the works of his hand, his deeds, his walk of life is darkness as well. Uh, and, and what was the, uh, the manifestation? What was the, um, what was the shape that, that our parents, Adam and Eve's, their original sin took, but it took shape in fratricide in the murder of your own brother, uh, the flesh of your mom and your dad, flesh that is just like yours. And that is, uh, shows us really the depth of the depravity that is within, as you said, as within our human hearts, right? <laughs> Since we'll right. be addressing that next. Yeah. And that's, and that's what's great here is that um, John can be seen First John, especially, can be seen kind of as this nice this little love letter. Because if you had a love letter on the Hallmark Channel, like I was talking about before, mm -hmm. that it would just, there would be no darkness. If there was darkness, it was like that they got the wrong food or something on the show. Like, that'd be about the only <laughs> issue that they would have. Or snow was on a bad day or something, you know. But John talks so much about love, but he's definitely bringing us back to the reality of darkness. He starts right, right away when he speaks of Jesus that in him, there is no darkness at all, showing us that there is darkness in this world. And he steps it up a notch, I would say, in verse 12, because he brings up Cain. He's kind of like that, 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 that person in your family lineage you don't want to bring up. And if, you, if you're trying to make people happy, you don't bring up that there's an evil one, and you definitely don't bring up murder. But he does all of that to show there is darkness in this world, therefore you need light and we need Love. Any thoughts on that in, in our world and how John puts us in there, which is fascinating? Well, you know, 
I, I think verse 13 really, really hammers it home as a reminder to we who've been mm. called out of this darkness. Do not be surprised, brothers, that the world hates you. Uh, that this darkness that is still uh, sort of holding the world captive, um, even as, as Christ's eschatological kingdom is coming into fruition with his death on the cross, that there is still this tremendous enmity. There's still this warring uh, of, of, of nature and man, of, of man against God, of this war that we still have within ourselves, too. Um, because let, let's be honest, there's, there is a little bit of Cain in each and every one of us, and, and it remains so uh, because we are still beset by that original sin. Um, and thanks be to God that we have the forgiveness in Christ Jesus and that we are not slaves to that sin. And yet those whispers are, are still there. And the world is still very bold in its, uh, its affirmation of its darkness. Brings us back to John 3. And it's interesting because when you look at this, and I found this really fascinating studying this, is that there's so much similarity with John and 1 John. And here he affirms that because we always think of John 3, 3 16, 17. Mm -hmm. He did not come into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world may be saved through him. Amen. Go home. You know, but right. we don't continue on a lot of times. And in verse 19, it says, and this is the judgment. The light has come into the world, which is Christ. And people love the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come into the light, lest his work should be exposed. So it's it's definitely showing us that we should not be surprised when there's darkness. And we shouldn't be surprised because when you actually think about how, how close we all could be to doing some of these things. Um, I remember when I was on Vicarage, I was in Kansas and I worked with a juvenile facility um, with a lot of, I mean, they, I mean, they, they, these men had, these young men had done wrong, no doubt about it, but it was a real blessing to me to learn from them and the richness of many of these young men's faith and, and, and going through the repentance and forgiveness they knew in Christ and all these things that I learned. One thing I did realize is that some did share with me what happened and they didn't have to, I didn't ask, but they would share it with me. And there's a reality that you think, well, if I was in the wrong place at the wrong time, I was about two steps away from that myself that some of the things that they got into is something that I'm glad I didn't have that pressure. I never felt that pressure. And so you realize how quickly we all could go down that route and also how quickly can people can hate you because they don't like your message. So it reminds us of that darkness. Any thoughts you have, Pastor? Well, you know, it, it actually reminds me of the way in which our Lord really brings the full strength of the law uh, in his in his expansion, or really, I should say, in his fullness of, of the Decalogue. You know, thinking back to Matthew chapter 5, uh, where he's specifically talking about the fifth commandment, right? He says mm -hmm. uh, in, in Matthew chapter 5, verse 21, You have heard that it was said to those of old, You shall not murder, and whoever murders will be liable to judgment. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Uh, so we, we already step into that realm of Cain uh, when those passions, that, that, that anger, that sinful hatred starts to take hold and grab into our hearts and, and you know, sin sinks its claws in there and turns us from what is, as John says, the reality of this new creation, this new life in us, which is to love. And so as we look at, at this, in what ways 
would you say, because the word hate is so strong, and we've had this uh, throughout the book, and we will continue to have it throughout the book, that when it says, you know, something like, if you hate your brother, um, if you hate somebody else, it's a word that we really hesitate to say in our culture. But there is a reality that the world hates Christianity. They hurt them. They hate the message of Christ. And how do you, how would you unpack that for people? Because like I said, the word hate can be very <laughs> cut into the heart in a way that makes us feel very uncomfortable, but yet it's true. So any way to unpack that for us as we look at, I mean, if we know that, then we understand even sweeter the love of God. So any, any thoughts on how to teach that? You know, that is a, that is a very astute question. Um, and here I'm, I'm committing that 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 uh, that sin of saying I'm on the radio, right? But <laughs> I do it too. So there we go. <laughs> but you know, linguistically, we 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 know you know synonyms and antonyms and love and hate. Now, of course, there's there's the those sort of hallmark um, channel phrase, right? The, that's popular on the internet. Oh, the opposite of love is not hate; it's indifference. And and yet, that really doesn't do justice to uh, to the reality. We we um, we strike out and and attack uh, in in sort of this fight and flight way, and when we encounter God's holiness as as fallen creatures, uh, it is it is terrifying, and and we will do anything to escape it. We hate being in that light, having those works exposed more so that they're exposed to us and we come to this full realization that that I am Cain I am not able I am Cain uh, and and so much of me uh, is is of this darkness the, you the, know that's yeah go ahead oh, go ahead please break. okay so I was gonna say that that really puts well it shines a light on that really really well because you think about if somebody is like very much so against you, that often we think they're against the the general message or that individual, but part of it might simply be that you have exposed something about themselves that they loathe, that they do not like about themselves, which is that realization of if I say to you that you are a deep and darkened sinner and deserve nothing but condemnation, in our hearts we say, yeah, and like, and I don't like that. Therefore, I don't like anything that you have to say or that there might be forgiveness, which assumes and therefore I'm a sinner. That's why the world would hate that message is because they know in their hearts this is true and they want to do everything they can to not expose it. Is that is that a fair thought? That's what I was hearing you say. Indeed. And, and that is, I, I think, a big reason why so many people who should come to the place of healing which is should come to the, to the altar of Christ to hear his word, to hear that forgiveness, to, to receive his gifts. We don't want to, because there's that fear. Uh, there is, there is that fear that it's exposed. What if, and of course it's, it's a lack of trust. Uh, God has said that your sins are forgiven for the sake of Christ in his death, by his blood, by his sacrifice, he has paid and made that atonement. So the very place that's going to heal our 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 hurt, our fear, our our wickedness, is the last place we want to be. And and you know even as we begin in the church service with the confession of sins, and and I have been as guilty of this as anyone else. You know we say 
I, a poor, miserable sinner, and in the back of my mind, there's that little word saying, but, <laughs> right? <laughs> well, I know I did that, but I know this was wrong, but well, I know I said that to this person who, who hurt me, but they hurt me. So I had to hurt them back. We, we always have that little word, but, um, and, and I think really of, <laughs> of Adam in the garden, you know, he, he doesn't step forward to defend and protect his wife from the temptations of, of Satan. He takes the apple after she's bitten of it. He bites it too. And suddenly they realize, you know, <laughs> they know that they've done evil and they've done wrong. And what is the first thing they do? They hide themselves mm. from the very one who has created them, who has loved them, who is fundamentally and, and ontologically love for God is love, right? John even tells us this. And they hide yeah. in the garden. And God says to Adam, you know, where are you? Not because God is not omniscient. He doesn't already know that he's hiding there behind the bush. It's really, it's a rhetorical question for, for Adam. It's a rhetorical question for us. You know, look around. Where are you? You are in this, this world of darkness. Come into the light. It's an invitation. And even <laughs> and then, of course, Adam steps forward. Well, yeah, I did eat of the apple. But it was the woman this, who gave it to me. And then you see, he doubles down to this woman that you, God, gave me. See, this is really actually all entirely your fault. <laughs> so you need to fix this. Which, and just to be fair, is God be fair, does fix this, right? He does. The, the woman did blame the serpent. So and it, wasn't just, serpent. it wasn't just right. man. <laughs> Everyone's throwing everyone under the bus there. Exactly yeah. right. And it proves once again that that was the first realization of darkness because right away they don't want that light to be shined on them. So they divert, they divert, they divert, and they put the butts into those situations where it should be just Lord have mercy on me, a sinner. So pastor right now we need to take our break. We're, Oh, this is getting, this is really a lot of fun. So here we go. We are studying first John chapter three with pastor Doug Gribbena and we'll be right back. Take a look around you. Look closely. Immigrants in the United States and their U.S.-born children now number about 81 million people, or 26% of the population. So chances are there's someone right in your community who doesn't speak English as a first language and who doesn't know Jesus. The Lutheran Heritage Foundation can help by providing you with free Lutheran books translated into over 90 languages. See their complete list of catechisms and Bible storybooks at lhfmissions.org. Welcome back. We are studying 1 John chapter 3 with Pastor Douglas Gribbena, a mission advocate for KFUO Radio. And, and well, you know, we are we're having a just a great time as we're looking at these verses, even though it, it makes me a little uncomfortable because, like you said, we want to put our butts into every situation. Um, and that, you know, I'm not trying to do a, a double meaning on that one, but it's it's something where we we will say something like, yes, you are forgiven. But, and then what we're talking about here is, yes, I am a sinner, but, and so either we are not fully convicted of reality and we're not fully comforted in the grace of God, which I think I can guarantee this is part of why John is writing this letter to the church 
because they are probably feeling both of those situations in their Christian life. Pastor, anything else? Verses 10 or 11 through 13. You know, I say we feel the same thing each and every day. Yeah. And, and you know, in the wisdom of the Holy Spirit through John, he didn't say this is a letter to these people or the, this is a letter to you, my children, mm. my brothers and sisters, my fellow Christians, because this is something we are going to face until we come to the other side of glory. There, there's a reality of when Jesus you know, takes that little child and says, unless you have faith like a little child, you're not into the kingdom of God. There's so, so much a reality in our daily walk with him. So let's keep moving forward. We could talk about that forever too. Verses 14 through 15, I'll read these. We know that we have passed out of death into life because we love the brothers. Whoever does not, whoever does not love abides in death. Everyone who hates his brother is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. So, Pastor, I'm feeling a little bit of back and forth here. No love equals death. No love equals murder. Um, that's not necessarily making me feel better. What is what is John telling us? Yeah, so so he's he's putting these these opposites together, love and hate, and then he's and he's really taking it to say hate is murder, right? And mm. and more than that, then so so love is life. And that's really the this sort of extension here. You either are, are in, in death or in life. We know that we have passed out of death, out of murder, out of hate, out of this, this enmity, into this, the full end of the other spectrum there, into not just love, not just kindness, but passed into true and actual life, life that we did not know when we were dead, murderers, hateful sinners, but to a new life. And, and he drives it home saying, um, we have passed out of death into life because we love the brothers. Now, of course, my Western mind, my logical, you know, lay up all the dominoes and you can see everything here says, oh, okay, I am in life because I love, right? So I have to love people right. first before I can be in life. And that's really not the way that, that the Eastern sort of Hebrew mind works because this is not a causative thing. This is descriptive, not, not prescriptive. It's not because we love the brothers. It's, it's that there is this love of the brothers that God has wrought in you, that he has manifest in you, that he has joined himself to you, this is life. It's the description of what life is. Life is this loving the brothers. And that is to, to, to say that we love uh, the entire fellowship, this abiding unity of the Godhead with his redeemed, and that we really are one. So it's not, it's not telling us, do this and then. It is saying this has taken place. The mm -hmm. result is, is this, is this life. Whoever does not love abides in death. So whoever has not been brought to this true life that is wrought in love, the love of the Father that he has sent his Son, love manifest to be our, our propitiation, then we remain in that place, that place of hatred, that place of death, that place of darkness. And no murderer has eternal life abiding in him, true life. The only, the only destination of, of, of hate, of murder, of uh, unrighteousness or lawlessness is death. 
And that, how do you say it? It's so hard to not just instantly go back to ourselves and try to justify ourselves <laughs> or try to downplay somebody else. So, okay, so I don't murder. And even though I hear Jesus's words, right? I hear his words that, you know, if you even hate somebody or have anger in your heart, therefore you're a murderer. Or even if you read the small catechism and it, you know, it says uh, to help and support in every physical need when it explains the fifth commandment, I still have this thought, well, it's really not that bad. <laughs> so pastor, what would you say to them after all of this? They say, well, really, but am I really that bad? I'm not really a murderer. Well, you know, we, we, we really come to that point where, where we have to be driven. Oh, my. It's the dings of God. <laughs> Evidently, God is saying this is going to be a really profound statement, right? <laughs> right, right. Yeah, right. Um, there, in the Lutheran service book, there is a wonderful quote from Luther that takes us to that place where we, where we hear. And, and, and when, the, <laughs> when God's law crushes us and we are in absolute despair, in that, that place where we can't say but anymore. Yeah, but. Where we just say, I, I'm lost. <laughs> what hope is there for me? Um, the gospel is then, is then ready to have its full effect on us. And so in, in the Lutheran service book, the Lutheran, the, not Lutheran service book, the Lutheran study Bible. I don't know why we oh. named everything LSB, was, right? The Lutheran study uh, yeah. Bible <laughs> has this wonderful <laughs> quote from, from Luther. Uh, from, okay. from the American edition, volume 27, it's on page 372. And, and this struck me as I was studying this, uh, first John and Luther says, this is a strange thought. The same man sins. And at the same time, he does not sin. It is here that those two statements of the apostle John are brought into harmony. The first found in first John chapter one, verse eight. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. The second occurs in 1 John chapter 3, verse 9, and in chapter 5, verse 18. No one born of God commits sin. All the saints, therefore, have sin and are sinners, yet no one of them sins. They are righteous in accordance with the fact that grace has worked healing in them. They are sinners in accordance with the fact that they must be healed. And that finally really opened my eyes that, yes, we struggle with this sin. And here St. John tells us, you know, oh, you just don't sin if you're a Christian anymore. You know, this progressive sanctification idea, right? That if you're finally fully, truly saved in your walk as a Christian, then you're not going to sin anymore in thought, word, and deed. And we know this isn't true. Because we struggle with it each and every day. But the wonderful beauty of this is the realization that, that we are sick and the medicine is working. I think of, of when you have to take a, an antibiotic and the label always says, you know, take the full prescribed dosage all the way to the end. Even though you might start to feel pretty good, don't stop because you need to finish the, the, the course of the medication. We need to finish the course of this life, uh, running this race, as St. Paul says, right? Because the medicine is there, and the medicine needs to be continuously working. The, the Holy Spirit continuing his work that he begins in your baptism, that he's going to bring to conclusion, to completion, on the last day. Which means he's going to be working from the day that you are brought out of darkness into the marvelous light of Christ at your baptism. And that medicine is going to continue to work in you 
day in, day out, every week, every Sunday, every Lord's Day, every time that you're in the Bible study, that you tune into Thy Strong Word, right? It's going to work on you until we lay your body to rest. And then the Holy Spirit's going to stand by until the last day, the resurrection of the flesh, when that medicine will have finished its course and this glorious body now free entirely of sin and your glorious soul stripped of that, that original sin inclination are brought back together to live in that fullness of life, that eternal life that we have been promised here by those who live in the love of God. I love how you pointed to that medicine. So that's our encouragement to you, our listeners, is to receive that medicine, which doesn't make everything perfect. You know, that you take that antibiotic, it's not like you take it and everything is just fine. Everything is absolutely perfect. You're living in this whole different state of perfection or something. Um, but here's here's what the beauty of the medicine that we receive is that you do stand before God in perfection. Amen. <laughs> you know, it's an amazing thing that we realize the brokenness. We realize the now, but not yet until Christ returns. But we stand as a child of God. And as we as I said at the beginning, in the first verse of chapter three, and so we are. Pastor, we better we better keep moving forward we here. We have a lot more good stuff. Yeah, a lot more good stuff to get through. So 16 through 18. By this we know love, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. But if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. I'm going to I'm going to admit something here pastor is that first mm-hmm. John 3 16 17 18 did not come does not a, a few verses that come to mind a lot in my life and and I don't know why I like it's just it was one of those passages I just like oh my gosh you know this is something I've never really dug into it, it's it's a perfect setup it, it pulls us you know to the law and it, and it pulls us back to the Lord and his love. And it's just a perfect text for us to remember every single day. How do you want to start us off with these blessed verses? Well, I'm, I'm going to pop over to verse 18 first. Well, and this time I'm going to work backwards because verse 18 reminds me of the, of the, uh, of the axiom, the, the sort of idiom we have in our culture. And I honestly wonder etymol, you know, in, in its etymology, if it wasn't inspired by verse 18, you know, walk the walk and talk the talk. That's what we right. tell people, right? Mm-hmm. Don't just be a poser, but this has to be true. And that's where he says, little children, let us not love in word or in talk, but in deed and in truth. Uh, and that that beautiful word, aletheia, right? The, the, the truth, the fullness of truth. And, and, and so it's not just a matter of, of saying the right things, of, um, of, of, of memorizing the right stuff. But it is in its in its shape and its changeness that takes within us um, that that we're to love uh, in 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 an action in truth, and it's not a matter of our motivation, but in in perhaps a a very basic way in in a way of us not getting in the way of telling that old Adam, Shh, be quiet. Of, of those old habits stop and and letting the the motivation of the spirit within us to to guide us and to and to bring us out 
part of that then is that there needs to be the the constant nourishing, the replenishing, the feeding. Uh, and so we, we can get the definition of love here from John, and he does so in verse 16. He says, by this we know love. Here's what love is, guys. That he, meaning Christ, laid down his life for us. And then he says, we ought to, and this really just is a statement of the natural progression, the inevitable result of his death to bring us life is that we, in our life, will, uh, will lay out ourselves for those um, who are facing death. And so it's this love, death, death, love. Uh, murder is the death of other for the sake of self. Love is the death of self for the sake of the other. Oh my goodness. Say that again, Pastor. That is pure gold. Say murder it again. is the death of the other for the sake of the self. And love is the death of the self for the sake of the other. Wow. I would, I would highly encourage our listeners to write that down because that is absolutely pure gold when we're looking at murder when we're actually looking at the scriptures for what they say as a murderer what that means and therefore the love of god and what that means for us it brings us back to john 15 verse 13 greater love has no 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 one than this that someone should lay down his life for his friends and and i love this too because when we get to verse 18 it talks about loving in word and talk. And that's exactly when we're talking about perfected love, perfect love is God in action in Christ. You know, that God just doesn't say, I love you, but he shows us the action. He has manifested it in our world, in our time, and on our earth to understand that this love is an action and it was founded on the cross and a, a, a God that conquers death in the grave and, and moves that stone to make sure we know that this is an act of love, that love for us. Pastor, other things you have, verse 16 through 18. Well, you know, the, as he had done before, John here in this epistle, he picks up a word and then carries it to the next, right? So we oh, had, the, okay. we had the, 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 the righteousness and then love, and then we have love and hate, and now we have love and truth, and now truth is so he's bringing us into this by this we shall know that we are of the truth and that's where he's going to take us next this word this action this love manifesting that we have seen that we have held with our eyes that we hear from the apostles this love of god in his son christ jesus uh who is the way the truth and the life now the saint john says and this then, okay, this, this not word and talk, but deed and in truth. And then this is no, this is how we know that we are in the truth. And, and so verse 19 is a beautiful connection then. So uh, uh, Pastor Finner, I'll let you uh, read this next section. Let's get to it. Yeah, let's get to it. Great segue, 19 through 22. By this, we shall know that we are of the truth and reassure our heart before him. For whenever our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart. And he knows everything. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence before God. And whatever we ask, we receive from him. Because we keep his commandments and do what pleases him. I want to I just start with this, with this word, is truth. That when he speaks of truth, we know Jesus speaks of himself as the way, the truth, and the life. And how important it is for us, we all want 
the truth, right? Uh, a few good men brings us back to that. I want the truth. And that's what we have here. We want the truth. And what does he tell us about the truth here in 19 through 22? Well, you know, in, in 19 through 22, he tells us the, the, the truth here is that it is, it is greater than our perception. It is greater than our hearts. It is greater than our desires. And that, I think, is a very timely statement for us in, in what has been called, you know, sort of the, the postmodern age, this post-Constantinian world. Uh, and I'm reminded recently in, in Easter, right, of, of Pilate and Christ and Pilate's question, which I think is the question of the day. What is truth? Because we do all want truth, and yet now in mm. vogue it is to say, well, there is no such thing as truth. There's, there's my truth, and your truth, and his truth, and their truth, and it's all true, but there's no such thing as objective truth. And God stands in the breach and says, not so much, guys. <laughs> and John is not giving us any sort of wiggle him room either, right, that, that there is truth, and this truth is known and manifest in Christ who is God, who was incarnate by the Spirit, who was born of the Virgin Mary, became a human being with us. Now God and man are, are joined together. Uh, the two natures of Christ, you know, God, the creator, has joined his creation to walk and to live, you know, in, in, in word and talk, but in deed and truth then, to live the perfect life according to God's law. God's law that gives that false promise that if you do all these things, you shall live. But we know that we cannot do them perfectly, yet Christ has. And then Christ mm -hmm. goes to the destination of those who do not uphold the law to suffer and die in our stead. And then gives to us the reward that, that the law has promised that in our weakness we know we could never attain, which is the eternal life. This is a true thing. There have been witnesses. And beyond this, there is God's own testimony of these things. And how do we know that we are of the truth? How do we reassure our hearts that doubt this, that want to say, what is the truth? Is that God is greater than our doubts. God is greater than our selfishness. God is greater than our passions, our desires. God is greater than all these things. And his word puts to silence those whispers of doubt and insecurity and selfishness. And Pastor, as we look at this, that that line was very profound, as I mentioned in, in the introduction, that God is greater than our heart, God is greater than our feelings, and God is greater than our doubt, and then, you know, all of these things. So it really just brings me back, one, to Doubting Thomas, mm -hmm. right? And then we look at that. Um, we look at our own hearts, which, you know, the, the, the scriptures are not real, um, I would say, uh, saying the heart is a good thing, you know, what comes, it's not what goes in into the body. That, that does, That's right. Out of the heart is where all these problems come. Um, and, but our heart is often where we want to follow. Cause you'll hear this a kids trying to determine where to go to college. And they say, just follow your heart. So pastor, why is it important for us to know that God is greater than our heart? How would you break that down for our culture today? Our heart is a, is a fickle thing. <laughs> um, how often do we, do we say that we want something and when we finally get it, we realize it wasn't all that great anyhow. Uh, I, I'm a Star Trek fan, so I always think of a mock time. It was the episode where Spock had to go back and get married to his betrothed, but, but she had her eyes on another Vulcan. 
And, and so they do ritual combat and, you know, he has to end up quote unquote killing Captain Kirk. It was really McCoy that, that you know, snuck a little shot on him. I don't want to ruin the whole thing for you, but at the end, Spock says to, to this other, you know, this other Vulcan fellow who is, is now going to, uh, to, you know, marry uh, Spock's betrothed. He said, I have often found, says Spock, that wanting is a greater thing than having. And our mm. heart is always wanting. It's always yearning. We say these things like the grass is always greener. You know, our heart will mislead us with a false promise of the things that, that we cannot know, but we suppose to be better. And, and part of our trust in God's truthfulness, in his honesty, in his love, in his care, in his guidance, is that we know that it's not going to always be roses and, and, and sunshine and rainbows and all those things, even though our heart then will tell us at times, this is not good. I don't like being here. You know, the heart whispers with that, that voice of Adam, with the yeah, but. And, and we instead then trust that God will see us through and guide us through, uh, that he is greater than our hearts, greater than the fears, greater than the sinful desires that come out of it. And he is, his word, his truth, puts to silence our hearts. And which is where I think 21 comes in. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence before God. Mm. Um, and, and the really interesting thing about this word confidence in the Greek is it's, uh, it's, it's, it's boldness, it's, it's, but it's more than this, it's the... It's the, it's the liberty to speak freely because we are living in the truth. We no longer have these doubts. We no longer have these questions that we can talk to God and be honest. And we can say, yeah, I, I have done really miserable things. I've wanted to do really terrible things. And, but we can get it off our chest, right? We can be honest with God and, he, and we know that his word is true and it's going to come back to us and say, you are my beloved child. With you, I am well pleased. Your sins are forgiven. Um, as, as you might say in the, in the modern world, you know, God would say, it's all good. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and this comes down to, as you're saying this, if our heart does not condemn us, there's that moment where you're like, well, wait a second. My heart condemns me all the time. Like, what are you talking about? Yeah, my heart condemns me all the time. Are, are, once again, we want to think of this as, as, as being causal, as being, you know, this, this system of, of do this or don't do this. And, right. you know, Western thinking. But this is a descriptive thing. Uh, yes, Paul is again, yes. or not Paul, John here is again in the, in the Hebrew mind, in this sort of Eastern way of thinking that is not linear, that is not progressive, but you might even say just sort of uh, holistic. It kind of circles around the central truth, uh, which is what 21 and 22 do, right? It, it, having hearts that do not or, or really cannot condemn us, we then can speak freely with God and right. most certainly receive whatever it is we ask because being in God's love, the things we're going to ask for are going to be the things in line with his will, things that are actually good for us, and not just desirable or pleasing to the eye, right? But these are things that are going to be in accord with his good and gracious will. Because, and we're going to want these things, because of the working of his spirit in us, that abiding, that fellowship that we have with him, 
that manifests, that is shown in keeping his commandments and doing what pleases him. This is not prescriptive. This is descriptive of what this new life is like as a redeemed child of God. Brings us back to Ezekiel 36 when the promise says, I will give you a new heart. Amen. That, that he is describing that you have this new heart and therefore we have confidence before God. I mean, this is where the new heart comes in is through Christ. And our conscience is clear because our relationship with the Lord is, is in a right place, the forgiveness of sins. And therefore, I love it, the description as opposed to the causal. I'm, I, I'm learning a lot. I, I need to sit down and learn more English from you um, and learn more Star Trek from you. Who well, knew I'm all these things, that, all connections, you know? <laughs> so, so, Pastor, we have three minutes left in our time. How about we continue our rest of our verses and wrap things up? Let's Verse 23 up. and 24. And this is his commandment, that we believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another just as he has commanded us. Whoever keeps his commandments abides in God and God in him. And by this, we know that he abides in us by the spirit whom he has given us. Pastor, in case you were wondering if this was up to us, John just blows that out of the water. What does he tell us about this commandment? He tells us this commandment, right? This, this, this word to us is going to be made real, made alive. It's going to be um, of, of light burden right? <laughs> My burden is light, says Christ, because the spirit yeah. is within you. Because of this abiding union and fellowship you have with the Godhead, the Holy Spirit that God has given you is going to, is, is what makes us a new creation that puts to death that old heart, that gives us the new heart, that makes our desires, our wants, our, our intentions to be in accord with God's good word. This commandment that we believe in the name of the Son of, or uh, name of His Son, Jesus Christ, and love one another. I love how this is the one commandment, right? And then mm -hmm. verse 24, whoever keeps His commandments, which is to say that it's, it's really is just one commandment here. Uh, just as Christ had told us, right? You know, the, the first and greatest commandment, you know, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your strength. The second is like this, love your neighbor as yourself. Well, th these two could never be separated. So this command, this commandment is to, is to live in this belief, in this uh, new reality. Um, the Greek actually you know, has believe into, right? The, the object of our belief, where we're going, is his son Christ Jesus, who is the love of God made manifest, who pours out his love into us, by the guarantor, the, the spirit that makes us and that creates life, that sustains life, that, that it enacts and then secures this fellowship that we have with God, this fellowship that then naturally we have with other Christians because we are one body in Christ, individually members, but each and every one of us is in Christ and he in us by his spirit, by his word, by his sacraments that strengthen, renew, and enliven us in real and true life, which is only known in God's love. Pastor Doug, 
Ribbonam, mission advocate for KFUO Radio, giving us God's strong word from John, First John chapter three. Pastor Ribbonam, thank you. Well, great to have you on. Um, look forward someday meeting you in person, and thank you for bringing us his gifts this morning. Well, thank you, and thank you, uh, Pastor Fitter, and thank you, brothers and sisters. It has been my absolute joy and pleasure to be with you today. I'm your host, Brady Finner, and pastor of Messiah Lutheran Church in Sartell, Minnesota. Thank you for joining us, and the Lord keep you safe in the palm of his hand.